How's everybody doing today? Welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, today, I've got a great one for everybody today. This is, I, I, I don't know if everybody remembers this, the, the soap opera Days of Our Lives, and it it used to start with the little hourglass, and it's like, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Well, <laughs> Republic uh, First Bank uh, which is which is located over in, uh, Jer in New Jersey. Um, they, they have this in this just insane banking soap opera that has been going on over there. So I call this uh, as the as the Republic first turns. Um, so before I get in and share some articles here with you, and I'll, I'll just bring this up just so you know, I kind of get this. But we, we have so. There, there's a whole crazy backstory that goes into this. I, I mean, I could spend literally an hour trying to explain all this, but I'll, I'll kind of go back to this. So you had a very well-known banker uh, in the in the local area and even nationally in some respect, a gentleman named Vernon Hill, who had started a bank called Commerce Bank. And then and then he kind of left there on very acrimonious terms. And then he went over to London and started a bank called Metro Bank. And then he kind of had to leave Metro Bank on very acrimonious terms. And 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 now then he came back uh, to basically the U.S. and he had kind of Metro Bank here in the U.S., but then sold that off. And then but he still had shares of Republic First Bank and um, he became a major shareholder in Republic First and then eventually be, and took over, became chairman of the board and then eventually replaced the CEO, who was a gentleman named Harry Madonna. Uh, things were going well for a few years. Uh, Vernon had brought in like a, did like a hundred million dollar capital raise and the bank was I don't even know if the, the bank might have been about 800 million in asset size when when Vernon got involved. And then very quickly, I would say over the course of uh, maybe like three, four five year period of time, uh, they had grown the bank up to probably about 5.6 5.7 billion in assets and you know uh really we're, we're building a number of branches and and vernon hill was following a lot of the same strategy that he had executed at commerce bank which had made commerce bank such an incredibly successful bank uh he brought in uh, a lot of his his ex-commerce bank executives that came in um and uh, so, the, you know, everything seemed to be going well, but then, you know, things kind of started going sideways because the branch strategy that he had employed at Commerce didn't necessarily work quite the same way as it had, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s when, you know, it was basically like put a branch every 4.3 miles in the suburbs to create market penetration. And so, but to be fair, I mean, they were beefing up. They were making investments, at least it seemed on, you know, as far as like their website and mobile app and back end technologies and and trying to become a more, uh, you know, technology driven uh, financial institution. So that was certainly part of their strategy. Uh, but the real issue, I think, really, really kind of came in their 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 bond portfolio, what they were doing on the investment side of the bank. And, and, and then what happened was their 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 ROE and their ROA. Uh, two very critical um, uh, metrics of, of your company's performance. They just absolutely tanked. And, and that basically kind of put Vernon on the hot seat. And then you had this basically giant board rebellion. And you had Harry Madonna, the, the previous CEO, who kind of got pushed out by Vernon. Uh, he st was still on the board. So um, you had a board member who passed away because there was nine members of the board. So you had a board member pass away. And then you had basically Vernon on the one side with his three, three board members. And you had Harry on the other side with his three board members and created this four versus four stalemate. 
Um, but ev eventually what happened is Vernon eventually got, oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I don't know if I said that right. Um, one of the board members did die. I, I think, I think what happened was somebody, somebody left the board and it, well, anyway, eventually the stalemate got broken and it became, I think four, three, and then Harry and his group basically first forced Vernon out of the bank. Uh, so as all this is going on, you then had these other um, activist investors who were coming in and trying to get in. And uh, one of them was this group, uh, we'll call it the, the Norcross Braca group, uh, who we'll talk about in a second. And basically, in a fashion, they ended up winning out. So basically, Harry steps in, he becomes CEO of the bank and chairman again. Uh, but a lot of the investors, they didn't, they didn't really care for that. So Harry stepped down from that. He's still on the board. Uh, with a couple of, uh, with, with, again, some of the other board members, excuse me, that were on his side. Um, but now um, the one activist investor, which was, I think was, was the driver group, driver management, uh, they got, they got, you know, satisfied and kind of taken care of and went off to the side. Uh, and, and then, but Norcar, Norcar, Norcross Braca, they had kind of hatched this plan where they were going to invest, you know, $35 million in capital into the bank. And it was going to, it was going to give them some seats on the board and some other things. And, and it looked like this might all work itself out. Now, in the meantime, while all this is going on, they weren't, Republic First was not filing their financial statements and they ended up getting delisted from, they were publicly traded and they got delisted from the NASDAQ. And then they were trading in the, their stock in the over the counter market. Um, so you had a lot of crazy things going on at one time, and it seemed like this soap opera was over until this week, and then boom, it all it all kind of blew up here in the last uh, couple of days. So let's so let's take a look at, at just a couple articles here real quick. So this is uh, from S and P Capital Intelligence. This is Republic first uh, facing fallout from latest recap termination. So it basically says. Um, uh, the announcement of the termination put further pressure on Republic's first stock as the share price closed down 58.33% from February 29th to $1.25 and has lost 99.4% of its value since the start of 2023. It's pretty crazy. Um, the deteriorating financial situation raises the question of how long the FDIC would let the bank find a solution on its own while continuously logging losses, said David Larson, managing director at Artisan Advisors. I think you really have to wonder how much time will the FDIC allow them to continue to pursue a capital raise. Um, another challenge to raising additional capital is that the holding company has yet to file year-end financials for 2022 and 2023. Um, bank investors agreed that raising capital without current financial statements is difficult and the lack of filing helps fuel speculation. What kind of speculation? Well, let's, we'll get into that in a second. Bradley uh, Ritzler, uh, managing director at Stroudsburg PA-based Downrange Capital Management, said the outdated financials are a red flag that could lead to bigger issues and noted how First NBC Bank delayed several filings in 2016 before falling apart in 2017. Um, Norcross Nor Braca exiting the recap agreement also sends a troubling signal to the market since it had been actively involved in the bank. It looks like they are kind of cutting their losses. So, 
When the Norcross Braca Group announced the latest capital commitment, it came around the same time the FDIC was reportedly accepting bids on the bank in late October. The FDIC's reported participation also complicates matters for Republic First, especially if it were considering a sale process. The risk of failure, true or not, gives potential suitors little incentive to pay up if they believe that they could eventually take part in a government-assisted deal. Um, in a deal for a bank that has not failed, buyers would need to mark the target's securities book to the market as is a typical M&A accounting approach. Republic First unrealized losses and thin capital base would drag down the capital ratio at the combined entity. Um, and then this person goes on to say, you can't do this deal without assistance. Uh, this news is really going to cause the industry to kind of perk up and see what happens. So, um, so, and I'm going, to, I'm going to flip over to this other article here for a minute. So here, because uh, I'll get into, you know, basically what was just, what just got announced basically today. Um, so what could potentially be going on here? So you could just have a falling out, but you could also have some other issues here. I mean, I mean, again, what the article said, this could lead to speculation. Like in other words, why haven't they filed their, their audit financial statements? I mean, this is a, basically a six now or i should say now it's a they've gone in the last i don't know year or so they've gotten their assets over six billion dollars so uh you know a six billion dollar asset bank i mean they can afford to hire a good law firm and a good accounting firm and they do have a good accounting firm i think they have um republic first noted that it previously disclosed the hiring of wolf and company to replace crow as its auditor to help get the company current with annual and periodic financial reporting obligations for 22, 23, and 24. The bank said it believes that work is key for us and investors to considering opportunities for growth capital in the future. Uh, yeah, I would say so. So um, they, so again, they, they, they have a good accounting firm. So what is taking so long? What is the problem here? Why can these guys not get their financials out there? I mean, it, it doesn't seem to me like they have a whole team I'm sure they have an entire finance department. They've got a CFO, they got a controller, they've got a whole bunch of people there. So what is, you know, what's happening there? What is going on there? Is there some kind of fraud going on there? Is there is there is there is there insider trading or insider dealings going on there that we don't that we don't know about? Is that why uh Norcross Braca decide to to step away? So now that being said, let's see what just got filed here today. So this article from the Philadelphia Business Journal says after terminating 35 million planned investment, Norcross Braca Group relaunches lawsuit against Republic First Bank Court. So just days after terminating its planned investment in Republic First Bank Corp, an investment group led by South Jersey power broker George Norcross, former TD Bank U.S. CEO Greg Bracca, and uh, Parker McKay, CEO of uh, Philip Norcross, became activists again. The group said in a Securities and Exchange Commission filing on Friday that it had relaunched two separate lawsuits filed in Philadelphia Common Police Court last June, one against the bank and the other against board members claiming breach of fiduciary duty. The suit claims the following, engaged in and approved self-dealing transactions, sought to entrench themselves at the expense of the company, engaged or authorized disastrous business strategies, including investment strategies without regard for and hedging to avoid the substantial risks to the company from rising interest rates. It's what I talked about with the bond portfolio. Um, refusing to entertain business opportunities, including the injection of much needed capital offered from the Norcross Broker Group, which the plaintiffs claimed harmed the company. 
uh, made false and misleading statements in an effort to entrench themselves and gain control of the board majority, resulting in an investigation by the Wilmer Hale law firm and litigation for which the company incurred significant costs, expenses, and reputational harm. So Republic First said late Friday that it had no comment on the lawsuits. Many of the allegations stem from the board's oversight of the Republic First when Vernon Hill, chairman and as chairman and CEO prior to his August 2022 resignation. Uh, for example, Hill was accused of insider dealings, an accusation that he denies. And I, I do believe he himself has a lawsuit against the bank and the board of directors. Um, so the Norcross Brocker Group, they first acquired nearly 10% of the bank stock in February of 2022. It waged a proxy battle against Hill until he resigned due to losing a power struggle with the board of directors. The group then continued the proxy challenge against the board, led by bank co-founder Harry Madonna and board members Lisa Jacobs, Andrew Cohen, and Harris Wildstein. Uh, the investment group in the bank reached a truce last October, but that has since fallen apart. Um you know, and then yada, 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 it goes on, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but um, but the point being is that now now the, the lawsuits are flying, uh, you know, just the, and like I said, this since 2022 um, for, you know, going on on what uh, easy two years now, um, this has been one of the this this, you know, has been played out as has got to be one of the best soap operas in the banking world over the last two years. Uh, just the constant ups and downs and twists and turns of this story. You know, the board member infighting, the getting delisted, can't get the financials done, you know, raising capital, not raising capital, investor lawsuits all over the place. You know, what's going on? What's happening? These board members are fighting with these board members, this board member suing this people. Like it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy, very entertaining story. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, I mean, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this one and, and see what happens here and how this uh, continues to play out. Uh, I'm sure that there will be more news coming with this in the next couple of weeks because, um, you know, Republic First is in they're in a pickle. I mean, they're they're in a tough, tough spot where, you know, they're it's not going to be easy for them to to maneuver around this. Uh, they're they're going to have to make some some very hard decisions. And I would I would think that if they want to basically save this bank, they're going to have to get those financial statements out and produce right quick and then see if they can somehow magically convince some investment bank or, um, you know, to, to help them raise capital real quick and either get an infusion, maybe private equity money or some other investor groups or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they just seem to be at, you know, total and complete odds with the, the Norcross uh, Brocker group at this point. So, but, but who knows, but this is, it's, this has been a crazy story since the start. So we'll, you know, we'll see what happens, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And I will, uh, you know, certainly let you guys know what happens with that in the future. But if you like this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe and share. It always helps the channel. And please make sure to leave your comments down below. I'd be happy to try to get back to anybody that has uh, questions or thoughts on this one. And uh, please come back and check out some of my other episodes. And I'll get back to everybody again real soon. Thanks a lot.